Hello everyone and welcome to the December 15th edition of WarComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with Floyd, Scarron and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. A WCAB panel decision rejected a joint and several award against an employer who did not participate in the trial because an election to proceed had been made against another employer. Here's what happened in the case of Kaskavinsky versus the St. Louis Rams. Isaiah Kaskavinsky is a former NFL football linebacker. He was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks in the fourth round of the 2000 NFL Draft. He played six-plus seasons with the Seahawks, recording 267 tackles in 90 games, and was elected as the special team's captain three years in a row. In 2002, he earned the starting job at middle linebacker after battling for the position with Orlando Huff. In 2005, he helped lead the team to the Super Bowl, which was played in Detroit. He was released by the team in 2006. He then signed a one-year contract with the St. Louis Rams and played in 10 games for them during the remainder of the 2006 season. In the 2007 offseason, he signed a one-year contract with the Orlando Raiders. He was released with an injury after undergoing microfracture surgery on his leg. In 2008, he decided to retire and filed an application for adjudication of claim alleging that he sustained cumulative injury to various body parts. The Raiders admitted left knee injury and the Rams were joined as a defendant. Kaskavinsky elected to proceed solely against the Raiders under Labor Code Section 5500.5. As a result of the election against the Raiders, the Rams did not appear at the trial during which time the Raiders and the applicant entered into the stipulations with request for an award. The work comp judge issued the joint award against the Raiders and the Rams the same day based upon those stipulations. This joint award provided that applicants sustained cumulative injury resulting in 44% permanent disability and a need for further medical treatment. Although the Rams did not participate in the trial or sign the stipulation, the work comp judge awarded benefits to the applicant jointly and severally against the Oakland Raiders and against the Rams, even though they did not sign anything. The Rams filed a petition for reconsideration, which was granted, and the joint award against them was reversed. It is a fundamental rule that due process requires an opportunity to participate in the proceeding determining liability before liability is imposed. Here, the applicant elected to proceed solely against the Raiders, and further participation by the Rams at trial resulting in the joint award was precluded by the Labor Code. Two more lawsuits have been filed against the former owner of Pacific Hospital of Long Beach. The former owner, Michael Drabo Sr., is implicated in a multi-million dollar workers' compensation scam affecting some 300 people. The two suits are filed on behalf of former patients, Abraham Pena and Frank Gomez, against Dr. Drabo, his son, Michael Drabo Jr., Dr. Simon Lavi and Dr. Edward Colpin, owners of International Implants, LLC. The lawsuits allege Drabo worked a scheme to steer workers' compensation patients to Pacific Hospital for spinal fusion surgeries performed using defective screws and other surgical hardware. 
In total, nearly 300 patients were involved in the scandal, and the lead attorney for Pena and Mr. Gomez claimed that Gomez was injured after falling from a service boom while working, and that he underwent a cervical microdiscectomy and spinal implants at Pacific Hospital in 2013. Pena was attacked and assaulted by an inmate while working at the Los Angeles jail, and he underwent cervical spine surgery, which included a discectomy and disc replacement, and had several implant hardwares in 2012, also at the Long Beach Hospital. Drabeau was charged in February by the U.S. Attorney's Office with orchestrating a multi-million dollar conspiracy between 1997 and 2013. Drabeau also paid $28,000 in bribes to then-State Senator Ron Calderon to support legislation limiting changes in workers' compensation laws. Calderon was indicted in February on federal charges for allegedly accepting bribes from Drabeau. The case alleges the hospital submitted more than $500 million in fraudulent bills, and most of that total was paid by the California workers' compensation system. Drabeau pleaded guilty to the allegations in April to counts of conspiracy and payments of kickbacks. He faces 10 years in prison and is scheduled to be sentenced in October 2015. And now our fraud report. A woman who appeared on the reality TV series, series Bridezilla's 55-year-old Anita Maxwell has surrendered to authorities on 14 felony counts of insurance fraud. Maxwell was featured in season four of the reality series and was the only bridezilla to have been left at the altar. Investigators claim she submitted fraudulent documents and made false claims to receive more than $40,000 in workers' comp benefits. The investigation began after Maxwell claimed she injured her neck, back, and shoulder while assisting a patient as a clinical partner. While out on workers' compensation, Maxwell allegedly lied to her doctor, denying she had prior injuries to her neck, back, and shoulder. The investigation, however, revealed that Maxwell had multiple prior injuries dating back to 1990 and received $20,000 from similar prior workers' compensation claims. Upon learning of the prior injuries, Maxwell's doctor said he would have changed the apportionment and disability amounts to reflect the back past trauma. In addition to lying about her injuries, Maxwell allegedly submitted false mileage forms for her supposed travel to and from doctors and physical therapy appointments. Surveillance conducted during the investigation showed Maxwell on more than a dozen occasions commuted to her appointments from a different location than the one she reported to her insurer. The fraudulent mileage form submitted resulted in over $5,000 in undeserved mileage reimbursement. This case will be prosecuted by the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office. A 41-year-old Salinas man, Alberto Hernandez, was sentenced to five years probation and 40 days in the Monterey County Jail. Hernandez owns Salinas Valley Private Security, a private a patrol operation that provides security for businesses and special events. Investigators from the District Attorney's Workers' Compensation Fraud Unit, the California Department of Insurance, the Employment Development Department, and the Bureau of Security Investigative Services conducted a joint operation leading to his arrest. 
They targeted employers allegedly out of compliance with regulations regarding workers' compensation insurance. While investigating his company, investigators discovered Hernandez had been in operation since 2007 and stopped purchasing workers' compensation insurance in 2011. He had also been collecting employees' payroll tax deductions, but had not reported all wages and had not turned those deductions over to the EDD since 2008. Hernandez was ordered to pay more than $30,000 in fines and more than $93,000 in restitution to the EDD and the Franchise Tax Board. A Los Angeles area physician whose referrals led to more than $1.7 million in fraudulent Medicare billings was sentenced to 24 months in federal prison for his role in a conspiracy due to fraud Medicare. 52-year-old Charles Okoye was sentenced to prison and also ordered to pay nearly $1 million in restitution. Okoye pleaded guilty in August and admitted that he referred Medicare beneficiaries to a Gardena Durable Medical Equipment Supply Company for durable medical equipment. These beneficiaries had been recruited by employees of Adelco Medical Distributors Incorporated and taken to see Dr. Okoye for a single cursory examination and they were then referred back to the DME company. Adelco's owner paid a coin, an illegal kickback for every referral, and then billed Medicare more than $1.7 million for providing the DME, which the beneficiaries did not need or want and often never used. Medicare paid Adelco more than $820,000 on those claims. Okoye admitted that he engaged in a similar arrangement with another DME company, Esteem Medical Supply. As a result of his guilty plea and conviction, Okoye's medical license will likely be suspended for at least three years. The investigation was conducted by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And in regulatory news, Julianne Soom has been appointed by the governor as chief of the California Division of Occupational Safety and Health. Mrs. Soom joined the DIR in 2012 as special advisor and was designated acting chief in September 2013. Prior to that, she was a special advisor to Christine Baker, director of the Department of Industrial Relations. Previously, she served for many years as project director with the Institute for Research on Labor and Employment at the University of California, Berkeley, and attorney and industrial hygienist with the Labor Occupational Health Program. Mrs. Soom said she is grateful for the opportunity to serve as division chief and to maintain and enhance safe workplaces and practices for workers and employers in California. The DWC is no longer accepting paper MPN reapproval requests as a result of SB 863 statutory requirements and recent changes to the MPN regulations that became effective August 27. Now, when filing an MPN application or plan for reapproval, applicants shall submit two non-password protected or unencrypted compact disks or flash drives in Word searchable PDF format that include the necessary information. 
The DWC has posted an example of an MPN application and plan for reapproval to help MPN applicants comply since the DWC is no longer accepting paper submissions. The DWC has also posted proposed chronic pain medical treatment guidelines to its online forum for public comment. The current medical treatment utilization schedule, Chronic Pain Medical Treatment Guideline, is based on a frozen 2009 adaptation of the official disability guidelines published by the Work Loss Data Institute. The proposed new guidelines consist of an edited version of the ODG Treatment in Workers' Compensation Chapter on Pain, published April 10, 2014. The DWC has adopted this new guideline with permission from the publisher. The proposed new guidelines were developed in cooperation with the Multidisciplinary Medical Evidence Evaluation Advisory Committee and are based on the best available medical evidence and scientific studies. The DWC medical director says that a key goal of these guidelines is to incentivize a multidisciplinary approach to chronic pain treatment. The guidelines promote an evidence-based, comprehensive approach to treating pain, emphasizing measures that prevent or reduce chronic pain, suffering, and disability. Specific guidance on opioid use is not contained in the new guideline, but is provided in a separate MTUS chapter. The proposed new guideline presents a 132-page menu of procedures in alphabetical order similar to the existing guideline. Next to each procedure or topic, the summary of medical evidence is given with a conclusion such as recommended or not recommended. The guideline lists the citations to the scientific studies used to support the conclusions for a total of 964 pages of information. Department of Industrial Relations Director Christine Baker said that California continues to be on the forefront of providing appropriate care and improving outcomes. The WCIRB has completed its report on workers' compensation insurer loss and premium experience. This report is based on data reported to the WCIRB by insurers who wrote almost 100% of the statewide market. California written premium for calendar year 2013 was approximately $14.8 billion. This is approximately 18% above the written premium reported for 2012 and 68% above the written premium reported for 2009. Written premium for the first nine months of 2014 is approximately 12% above 2013. Even so, the industry average charged rate remains approximately 53% less than it was back in 2003 before reforms that were enacted back then. The WCIRB projects an ultimate accident year combined loss and expense ratio of 111% for 2013. This projection is below that of the last several accident years primarily as a result of increased premium levels and relatively low claim severity growth in 2013. The WCIRB projects indemnity claim frequency for accident year 2013 to be 3.9% above the frequency for the prior year and approximately 14% above the frequency for 2009. 
The WCIRB projects the average cost of a 2013 indemnity claim to be about $85,000, which is generally consistent with the severities for the last several years. The full report is available in the Research and Analysis section of the WCIRB website. And in medical news, compression fractures in the spine due to osteoporosis is a common condition causing progressive bone loss and increased fracture risk. Nearly 700,000 men and women suffer from a spinal compression fracture each year. Many patients with these fractures are instructed to wear a soft or rigid brace to stabilize the spine with the intent of reducing pain and preventing further deterioration and collapse of the fracture site. However, patients often find the braces uncomfortable and as a result do not wear the braces consistently. In addition, prolonged use may result in muscular atrophy, deconditioning, skin irritation, as well as additional costs and delays in rehabilitation. Now, a new study appearing in the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery found the use of a brace as treatment for a spinal compression fracture is ineffective. In a Korean study, 60 patients with acute osteoporotic compression fractures were randomly assigned to wear a soft brace, a rigid brace, or no brace at all. Outcomes were then measured at 12 weeks. There was no difference in the radiographic image, general health status, and patient satisfaction rates among the three groups. The findings in the study suggest that brace treatment for osteoporotic compression fractures may not provide any additional improvements in fracture healing, mobility, and pain. That is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or Android device for searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I am Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.